It's Wednesday afternoon, and I'm preaching Wednesday night's message, and I'm talking about, this will be the fourth in a series, I believe it's the fourth, somebody will have to correct me uh, if it's not, but uh, it's the fourth in a series on the spirits in prison. If I repeat some things, please forgive me, I don't believe everybody's gotten this much information all at once. It's a lot to get a hold of. I'm talking about the spirits in prison. And I'm talking about predestination. Predestination is directly connected to the spirits in prison. Spirits in prison, predestination. The word is not predestination. That's not what it is. Not in the Greek. In the Greek, it is the word pro horizo. That's why the word predestination, when people hear it, they make the sudden conclusion that it has to do with God predestining or picking out people to go to heaven and it doesn't matter how they live. Uh, he can pick out uh, Billy Graham. I don't believe Billy Graham went to heaven. He didn't tell the truth. They'll pick out Billy Graham and Attila the Hun, Attila the Hun and Jeffrey Dahmer and they'll say, you believe... If God just wanted to pick one of them out, and and uh, John Dillinger, he was public enemy number one in the early 30s. He was the most infamous criminal in America, and probably people hadn't even heard of him this day and time. But they'll say, you believe that God just picked out them and and uh, and some of the apostles. And then that happened from the foundation of the world. He's chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. He didn't just choose us to go to heaven. Everything that predestination and election is about is about how we get to heaven. It's how we're going. There's only one way. It is a narrow way. So whenever the narrow way is in the scripture, straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to heaven or leads to eternal life. Heaven. You don't get to go no matter what you do. That's insane. It's a narrow way. And since none seeks after God... And none is righteous, none seeks God, and none is righteous. And the only way is the narrow way. Narrow is the word thalibo, T-H-L-I-B-O. You have to be placed in the narrow way by God. He has to put faith in your heart since you can't seek God. And there's none righteous, none is righteous. And that's talking about between Jew and Gentile. None is righteous. 
That's in Roman, the, Romans, the third chapter, starting in verse 10, 11, and 12. Therefore, if the way is narrow and God wants a people to go to heaven, he has to pick the people out, put faith in their hearts, and cause them to be in this narrow way. That word thelebo is a form of the word thelipsis. One is the verb, the other is the noun. Thelipsis is the word tribulation. And Paul said, we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. The way we get to heaven is going by the tribulation or the narrow way. And that means all of the difficulties that you go through in life. All of the difficulties are required by God to shape you to shape you into Christ-likeness. After all, that's what you're predestined to. Those that he foreknew, and he did not know everybody, he's going to tell those on his left hand in the seventh chapter of Matthew, depart me, I never knew you. Prognosco is the word. G-I-N-O-S-K-O. Gnosko means to know intimately ahead of time or beforehand. So from the foundation of the world, he is the lamb slain. Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And our names were written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. So he's got a people he's going to die for that are in the narrow way. And when he died, he died for those people. And they are predestined to be conformed. Be conformed by this narrow way, trials, persecution, affliction, uh, losing your job. Uh, losing your house, death of your wife by cancer, death. Uh, everything you go through that's a difficulty is a part of the tribulation, narrow way, and God is shaping you into what he has predestined you to be, to be conformed, sumarphos, Sumarphos means to be shaped, morphe, in fellowship. Sum is a prefix on a word. Instead of saying koinonia morphos, K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A, is the word fellowship. Sum is a simple way, fellowship, or to have communion with. Sum is a short form of kononia. It's put on the front of words to show that you have to have fellowship. So in order to be conformed, you have to be shaped with the fellowship of Christ's sufferings, and that is fellowshipping with people who believe these things, same things that you believe. But we're to be conformed to the icon, the image of Christ. Predestination is about us becoming like Christ. 
That word image is icon, and it's our word, I-C-O-N, and I-C-O-N. An icon means someone who is a large representative of something. A large representative of killers would be John Dillinger. He would be an icon of the criminal world. Billy Graham would be an icon of the religious world. These are icons, but we're not predestined to conform to their likeness. We're predestined to conform to the likeness of Jesus. That's what predestination is about. This is basically predestination in a nutshell. But predestination, when it's used in the New Testament, it is the word pro-horizo. Predestination always has to do with light or truth. Horizo is the word light. It actually means a boundary. A boundary of light. And what is the boundary of light? There's a little diacritical mark there. It's There's no H's in the Greek language. The diacritical mark has a breathing sound. Horizo. So horizo how how that it is has it's a boundary of light it's our word horizon the horizon is the boundary between light and darkness and that's the basic same thing as the word prison prison let me move my my deal here prison the spirits in prison were the spirits in darkness. You are darkness, but now you light in the Lord. Paul told the Ephesians. He said, walk as children of light. Walk as children of truth. Walk as children of the horizon. Prison is the word phulake, P-H-U-L-A-K-E. And it means the division of day and night are light and dark and the and the boundary line between light and dark is the horizon horizon is that word what we've been predetermined for you cannot see the horizon from the dark. You can see the horizon when you're in the light. So when we're in the light, we're predestined to be in the light, which has to do with righteous, godly, holy. Everything that is the likeness of Christ, poor in spirit, poor, meek, gentle, and all of these have Greek definitions to them. So everything that Christ was like is what God has preordained us to, and he'll put us in the narrow way, and he'll come to us and bring tribulation. What he's doing, he is burning out the outer man. Whenever you come to the knowledge of truth, You've got an outer man and an inner man. The inner man is the new birth. It's Christ in you. The hope of glory. 
and the Bible talks about Christ is in us all through the John the, 5th, the 14th chapter and the outer man is self and this is this outer man can't quit sinning and the inner man can't sin the Bible says whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin that's the inner man his seed remains in him and the inner man cannot sin he's born of God the outer man cannot quit sinning but he'll only quit a little at a time because that's the flesh we are perfect in the spirit but we've got a bunch of self in us self is the outer man there in Romans Romans 7 he talks about the inner and the outer man and Paul said in Romans seven eighteen, he said how to perform that which is good I don't know how and perform katergazomai is a present tense verb he said here I am a writer of 13 books 14 maybe if you count Acts uh, of the New Testament and he said I don't even know how to do right he said the things that I would do I don't do and the things I don't want to do I find myself doing therefore is no more I that do it but sin or self that dwells in me well how where did you get that the inner man can't sin first John 3 and 9 whosoever is born of God not not commit sin his seed remains in him and he cannot sin where did you get that you can't quit sinning the Bible says in 1 John 1 and 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The truth makes us own up to that. And over the years, we will conform to Christ's likeness through tribulations in this narrow way as we go through all the trials that we have to go through when Paul made the statement we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God he was at a place in what we call Turkey it was Lystra and that was the state of Galatia and he he was taken outside the city and stoned and left for dead he looked like he was banged up really bad when they stoned somebody they didn't just throw rocks at him they took big boulders First thing they would do before they stoned a man, they'd throw him off of a cliff about 20, 30 feet high. And if that didn't kill him, they'd take these big boulders and throw them down on him. Stoning wasn't just taking a little bit of rocks and throwing them at somebody. It was like being, Paul looked like he had been in a car wreck going 100 miles an hour hitting a brick wall. That's what he looked like. That's the way we would put it. So he says we must through this kind of tribulation, people persecuting us, bless you when men shall persecute you and say all manner of evil against you for my sake. Rejoice and leap for joy, for great is your reward in heaven. People say, where is my joy? Where is this joy you speak of? One lady writes and says, all you preach is doom and gloom. It's not doom and gloom to the believer. It's salvation to the believer through tribulation, through every, through the same things that Paul went through. There's parts of my life I didn't see how I could get through it. Now, what does this have to do with the spirits in prison? Everywhere you see predestinate in the New Testament is talking about predetermining for the horizon, for the light. 
This has to do with forgiveness. Forgiveness is the word aphesis, A-P-H-E-S-I-S, and it means to pardon and release from prison. But God does not, when he pardons you, he has grace toward you. Since you're not good, there's none good. He has to pick out a bad man like you and me and put and put us in the narrow way, put Christ in our hearts, cause us to have faith because we don't have faith. Faith is the gift of God. There's none that understandeth. Nobody understands truth. Nobody ever lived understood truth unless God puts understanding in your heart. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Substance, hypostasis, is our word understand. So faith is the gift of God when he puts under hupo. Stasis means to stand, understanding. When he puts that in our hearts, then we understand. If we have understanding, it has to come from God. Everything comes from God. Salvation is from God. You have to believe in Jesus in order to go to heaven. You have to be obedient. You have to obey. Boy, that's a word that my independent Baptist father well, it's not a works, nothing works. Works ain't got nothing to do with it. It certainly does. It's not self-righteous works. It's not ritual going to a church and listening to a boring preacher preach a boring message. It's not it. It's, there's different kinds of works. There's ritual there's good works where you think if you take a lady across the street and give her some money, uh, that good works is going to get you in heaven. The Bible says we are his workmanship, P-O-I-E-M-A. Poema is a word comes from poeo, P-O-I-E-O. You need to learn the difference between poeo and ergon. Ergon is the word toil. We toil in this life. Poeo means a work that God does in us and has the same idea as a tapestry. A tapestry. Or a mosaic. That's what a poeo is. And poema, we are his workmanship. We are his tapestry. His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. If you don't believe in good works, agathos, A-G-A-T-H-O-S, is the word good, good works. Agathos means beneficial. That's God working in us. And when he works in us, he puts us through tribulation and trial. He's working on that outer man to get rid of him. Boy, I had him alive and well in me when I was in real estate in my early 40s. I had him alive and well. I was traveling as a gospel singer back in in the 60s and early 70s. 
I was I had self alive. I wanted to be a famous singer, a famous gospel singer, and at the same time I wanted to love Jesus with all my heart. I wanted fame and love God. You can't have fame and love God at the same time. That's I was guilty of that. Fame in the New Testament is the word female, P H E M E. Female. It comes from P H E M I, which is something said. And when the Bible says, Bless you to ye when men shall reproach you, when they say all matter of evil against you, reproach means to be infamous, not famous infamous Aniidzo O-N-E-I-D-I-Z-O Aniidzo means to be infamous I wanted fame and to love God at the same time and I ended up the longer I stayed in that I ended up out in the pop music world and ended up being a heathen out there you cannot straddle the fence and hold hands with God at the same time he won't have that now, I'm going to say the truth. I don't care who likes it. Now, that's kind of a simple explanation other than the fact of these spirits in prison. The Gentiles were in prison. They were locked into darkness. Prison being the division of day and night or light and darkness and they were locked in prison for at least a 4,000 year period. God did not send his truth to the Gentiles in the Old Testament. The Gentiles did not get the truth preached to them on a national scale until you get to Acts, the second chapter. Acts 2. This is where God has says. I'm going to pour out of my spirit on all flesh, all flesh, or all men. It doesn't mean his spirit. The spirit is the truth. Spirit is truth. Thy word is truth. And the Holy Spirit is truth. And the Holy Spirit came down there in Acts 2. Holy Spirit is truth. All of these are the same thing. Thy word is truth, John 17, 17. The Holy Spirit's truth, and truth is the word A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A. Aletheia, and that is a construction of the word lanthano. And lanthano means to hide or conceal. When the alpha is in front of a word as a negative particle, and when you look at the word truth, it'll tell you that alpha privative negates this word lanthano, which means to hide, and it gives an opposite meaning. It means not to hide anything. That's what I'm doing with all these words. I'm not hiding anything. So all flesh doesn't mean God's going to save everybody. He's going to send. He's got a predestinated elect family 
for the last 2,000 years and that he's going to part of his spirit on red, yellow, white, black, and brown flesh. That's the all flesh or the all men. All flesh is pos, pos, socks, S A R R X or pos, pos, socks. That's all flesh. All men would be pos. Anthropos, A-N-T-H-R-O-P-O-S. Now, all flesh, all men is an opposition to the one flesh in the Old Testament. The only people who received the truth was Israel. Now, there were a few exceptions. They were God's exceptions. He can make the exceptions he wants to make. He had an exception over in the Old Testament. Ruth was a Moabite. She was from what we would call Southern Jordan. That was the land of Moab. And she ended up following her mother-in-law, Naomi, back over to Israel after her husband had died. And she said, where you go, I'll go. Where you lie, I'll lie. And thy people shall be my people. People put that in a wedding, but that was about Ruth's comment towards Naomi, her mother-in-law. And uh, southern Jordan right here, that was the land of Moab. The land of Moab. Now, Ruth was a Moabite. God saved her. Uh, you had... Nebuchadnezzar, he, I believe he was a believer. He said, after God struck him down for seven times, I believe it was seven months, he said, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He doeth according to his will in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to God, what doest thou? It's the same thing he said when he said he loved Jacob and hated Esau before they were born. And he said, before either one had done any good or evil, and people would say, well, is there unrighteousness with God? He said, God forbid. For he said to Moses, I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. I'll have compassion on whom I want to. So then it's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. And then he says, hath not the pot or power of the clay of the same lump talking about the womb of their mother, Rebecca, of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor Jacob and another to dishonor Esau. He's, the Bible says he can do what he wants to do. First Corinthians, the second chapter, that last verse says, Who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? How are you going to tell God what to do? We can't say that to him. Yet people hate the doctrine or predestination. They say, I don't think God would do that. Pick one person above the other. They say, I don't think God would favor one person above the other. Yes, he would. <laughs> if you got nothing but sinners at the beginning and he just picks out one that has nothing good in him, you cannot accept Christ. You don't have anything good in you. And they say, we didn't favor anybody. Eclectos. 
the Bible says they elect were means to favor and we're elected to obedience. And the only way we will obey is that God has to put faith in our heart and faith works and that's how we're favored. We're put into the narrow way. And grace, grace charis, means unmerited favor. If there's none good, what do you do to merit eternal life? What do you do to merit God picking you out of all the people before the foundation world? You didn't do nothing. That's why we don't have any right to look down on vessels of wrath fitted to destruction except for the grace of God there I go there goes I there goes me grace is unmerited favor and he's favored us we're elected to obey God to obedience there in 1 Peter 1 and 2 Here's what we're favored with. Obedience. How are you going to do that? Going into that narrow way. Obedience and the sprinkling of blood. That's a blood baptism. A blood baptism was a death. So God, has he's favored us when he puts us in this narrow way and there was nothing good in us as Gentiles. And every time you find that word predestinate, prohorizo, he's talking about Gentiles. We've said, let me take you back over to the spirits in prison. Go back to Second Peter, or First Peter, excuse me, I always get these guys mixed up. Three and eighteen. First Peter three eighteen. For Christ also had once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. He suffered on the cross and died. The just for the unjust. And I keep saying this, anytime you can find a phrase that equals something, you can substitute that equals a word. You can find a phrase that equals a word, you can substitute that word for it. Well, the last sentence, the last part of this sentence is of two phrases that equals resurrection. The last two phrases that Christ was put to death in the flesh but quickened by the Spirit. That's the same thing. Put to death... death and then quickened quickened zumpoio z-o-o-p-o-i-e-o make alive into a beautiful into a beautiful mosaic remember that word poeo has to do with making something beautiful quicken means to make alive and resurrection means to come to life, anastasis, after dying. 
I'm learning to paint this picture better and better as I keep teaching it. Uh, put to death, quickened by the Spirit. And this resurrection is the means. Let's just put that in there for this phrase here. Resurrection is to come to life after dying. Resurrection. Resurrection is the means that Christ preached. Preached to the spirits that were in darkness. In darkness. You have to understand the Old Testament and what Israel went through as a kingdom to understand the the Gentiles being chosen instead or in the place of, well, I hate to use that word in place of, actually, we were chosen before the foundation of the world. We are a continuation of Israel. Israel is spiritual, it's not literal. The Bible says circumcision is spiritual, it's not literal, it's not of the flesh. Our hearts are circumcised now. So, one flesh, the descendants of Jacob, and his name was changed to Israel. His father was Isaac. Isaac's father was Abraham. And this is the one flesh who, through Jacob's 12 sons, received the promise of God. But they went after Baal, Grove, Shemash, Molech, Isis, Osiris, all these gods of the nations around them. And because they did that, God said, I'm going to blind the eyes of the Jews and I'm going to send my truth to the Gentiles. There's an elect family in the Gentile spiritual Israel, the church. Gentile spiritual Israel which is the church. Everything that was once literal over here, the Passover, Pentecost, Feast of Ingathering, coupled with the Day of Atonement, all of that is spiritual now. Remember, the word atonement is the word kathar. K-A-P-H-A-R. It means to cover and the noun form is kofur, and that means to stain with a dye. It has the same exact meaning as a blood baptism, to stain. And the Ark of the Covenant was stained and dyed with the blood of the goat that was offered on the Day of Atonement, on the Ark, on the brazen altar. And the high priest would come in and sprinkle the Ark of the Covenant. Now Christ is this goat on the... It was an atonement goat in Leviticus, the 16th chapter. Christ took the place of that goat, and the blood was shed by the high priest on the Ark of the Covenant. And now, now, the blood of Christ, he is the high priest, priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He comes in 
into the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was the house of God. Christ is the son of his own house. Hebrews 3 and 6. Whose house are we? That was called God's house. He dwelt between the cherubim. That word dwelt is a Hebrew word. That means to live or be married to Israel. And he judged them from there. So he comes through the veil. That is to say his flesh. And the flesh is the bread. The bread's the body. And the body's the church. Notice how all of this all of it goes together. Now, I need to get back to the all flesh, the all men. There's a word. Now, some people have denied this. You can deny it all you want. But it is a fact. You can look it up in your Webster's Dictionary. S-Y-N-S-N-E-C-D-O-K-E. S-N-E-C-D-O-K-E is a word that means you can see sin here or synthesis. Synecdoche means a part of something of something is the whole. A part of something is whole. The same would be true if certain Gentiles were saved, that would be all flesh or all men. A part of that would be the whole. If one red man, one yellow man, one white man, one black man, one brown man was saved, the whole would be saved. The Bible says over there in... First John, the second chapter. He is the propitiation. Propitiation means substitute for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. I thought you said Jesus didn't die for everybody. He didn't. The word whole is the word holos. Holos means completed. The, the unbeliever is never completed. When the Bible says, be therefore perfect, T-E-L-E-I-O-T-E-S, teleotes, it means completed or mature. The vessel of wrath fitted for destruction is in chaos. He is never made whole or holos a part of the completed family of God. Now, I've got to get back over here to the spirits in prison. The, the resurrection is the means by which Christ preached unto the spirits in prison. Now there's a somebody who tries to get picky about this will say the word preached is a, it's a, it's an aorist indicative verb. That's right. Preached is aorist indicative. That means it's past tense. I want to emphasize this right now. I haven't really taken the time to emphasize it like I'm going to do. Preached. Caruso. There was a real famous opera singer in the early 1900s. His name was Enrico Caruso. Considered the greatest opera singer, I guess, of the 20th century.
Caruso. It is actually a Greek word, Caruso, K. His name was spelled with a C, K-E-R-U-S-S-O. That word Caruso means to herald Christ, to herald Christ or herald the gospel. Herald Christ. And what people want to say, well, that was that Caruso preached was arist indicative. And that's past tense. That's right. But you have many types of arist indicative words. You have a constative Constitutive, you have an ingressive, an ingressive, and you have a consumative. A consumative means it's consumed one time in the past. Consumed one time. Christ died on a cross. That's consumative. Christ died once. You have to go by the context of Scripture to be able to tell whether it's a constative or an ingressive or consumative. Constative means it's constant. It started every one of these means. Every one of these means it all started in the past. So when the resurrection is the means is the means by which Christ preached to the spirits or to the Gentiles and we know that all started in Acts 2 other than those exceptions that he made in the Old Testament in Acts 2 but is it still going on? Is Christ still preaching to the world? Is he still preaching to the, the Gentiles? The Jews are blind at Pentecost. Acts 2, Jews are blind. We find them blinded when Christ came into Jerusalem four days before the Passover. And when, they, when he came in, he came in in Luke 19, and he looked out over Jerusalem said, If thou hadst known even thou in this thy day the things that belong to your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. You're blind. So when you get to Acts 2, the Jews are blind. They can't see. They can't hear. And God is opening the eyes to the all flesh, to the Gentiles. Here's something really amazing. The word... Gentile nation and Gentile anytime you find them in the Bible they're the exact same word in the Hebrew the word nation is G-O-Y 
plural is G-O-Y-I-M. Goyim. Perhaps you've heard a Jew call us Gentiles a goy or goyim. I-Y-M is plural. G-O-Y is singular. But nation and Gentile, same word. Then you get to then you get to Greek. Nation and Gentile are the word E-T-H-N-O-S. Ethnos. Now this is really interesting because God never told the prophets to go preach to the Gentiles in the ancient world. He did not have a message for the Gentiles back then. But look over here in Matthew in Matthew the 28th chapter Jesus has been dead he just was crucified and he goes up to Galilee to meet with his apostles and he tells them something really interesting God had never said this before you won't find it in the Bible anywhere. And he goes and meets his 11 disciples. Judas is dead. He hanged himself. In verse 16 of chapter 28. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee. That's northern Israel. The Sea of Galilee is up in northern Israel. Into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all ethnos. Teach all Gentiles. It says nations, but it's the same word as Gentile. And God had never told his people to go teach to the Gentiles till here. He says, go teach to the Gentiles. So when they're teaching in Acts 2, how are they teaching to the Gentiles when they were Jews? These are Jews from every nation under heaven. Every nation. And these are all Jews. Well, look at that. Let me just show you this. I've said this speedily. But look here in Acts 2. In Acts 2. Acts 2. I'll get there in a minute. And the day of Pentecost was fully come. That was the that was the fourteenth day of the first month. First month on their calendar. The first month was Nisan fourteen. Nisan. It was called a bib in the Hebrew. Nisan was a word they adapted from the Babylonians from their calendar. It was Nisan 14. And they were, that's the day of Pentecost was fully come. And it says in verse 5, There were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, 
out of every nation, Gentile nation under heaven. The word nation there is ethnos. These were Gentiles from Gentile nations. They were Jews from every Gentile nation. I keep saying, this is a map that we got out of the compendia. What were they doing coming from all over the world? The Jews had been scattered because of their wicked, their wickedness. In 586 B.C., southern Judah was scattered. Northern Israel was scattered in 722 B.C. because they'd gone after all these sun and tree gods. But they were given three festivals. Three festivals come back to all the Jews knew they had to come back to Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Ingathering, which was the same thing as the as the uh, as the Feast of Tabernacles, as the Feast of Huts, and the Day of Atonement was accompanied to that. And so these free three feasts, all the male Jews in the world had to come back. They had been scattered. 600 years before, they'd been scattered over here into Babylon, up in here in Assyria, and they ended up being all over the world. These lines with the arrows coming back to Jerusalem is the Jews that had been scattered to all over the world. These were the Jews from every nation under heaven coming back to this Pentecost. How is that pouring out of God's Spirit on all flesh? After these... After these feast days, all these men are going to go back to their various countries. They heard Peter speak in their own dialect where they were born. The whole point of this is so when they could go back to their homes, they could preach to the Gentile world where they had come from. And there's an elect family out there that will be the beginning of the Gentile church or spiritual Israel. So that's what the all flesh or the all men is about. Let me read some of those verses to you. Just so you can see. Look here. In, now, Timothy was pastoring a Gentile church. He was passing the church here at Ephesus on the western end of what we call Turkey, or they call that Asia Minor. And here's what here's what Timothy says in First Timothy four and nine. Let's read that. First Timothy four and nine. Four and nine. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of pos, anthropos, all men, not every individual. He's telling Timothy, that's a Gentile church over there. They are the all men. That's synecdoche. A part is the whole. He's the Savior of all men, especially those that believe. And let me read to you out of, well, I'll go ahead and read down through 12. 
These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit in faith and purity. Then he says over here in Acts 17, Acts 17. Acts, I want you to be able to verify a lot of this with these verses. Acts 17. Paul is at, here in Acts 17, this is his second missionary journey. And he is over here at, right outside of Athens. There's Athens right there. Here's the Aegean Sea. He just came up went up to Philippi and Thessalonica, and he's come down here to Athens. So he's preaching to a Gentile group of people. And he says here, in verse 30, in the times of his ignorance, God winked at her, he shut his eyes at the Gentiles, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. He's not talking about every individual. He's talking about pos anthropos. Pos meaning all. Anthrop, anthropos meaning men, all men. Now let me give you a couple more of these. Look at Romans 5. Romans 5. 18. 5. I'll get it in a minute. My pages are stuck together. Five. And now Rome is a Gentile church. It's at Rome. Five in verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men. It doesn't mean everybody's going to be condemned. It came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. The all men doesn't mean every individual. Now, when the Bible says in John 3.16, it doesn't say God loved everybody in the world. It says, for God so loved. So is an adverb. That adverb makes all the difference in the world in this verse. An adverb tells how, when, or where. If I say he threw the ball over the barn, over would be an adverb telling where he threw the ball. If I said he ran beyond the sign, Beyond would be an adverb telling where he ran to. And you can go on and on teaching that. Now, so is an adverb. Huto, H-E-A-U-T-O. Huto, of course there's no H's. It's just a diacritical mark. has an H sound. Huto is an adverb. Tells how or in what fashion God loved. What fashion? 
when you have an adverb, it actually modifying the verb loved, God so loved, it puts a condition on loved, it modifies how much God loved. It modifies loved. Or it alters it. So it doesn't say God loved the world. It says for God so loved, or in this fashion loved. The reference is back to verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. For God in this same fashion loved the world. How did he love them when they were in the wilderness there in the book of Numbers? Moses was told by God to make a brazen serpent, put it on a pole. That's the actually the sign of the doctors nowadays when you see a serpent wrapped around a pole. You know that's a place of healing. He said everyone that looks at that brazen serpent will live from the bite of these deadly serpents that I've got crawling all through the camp of Israel. Whoever looked lived, but the only ones that looked would be those that have seeing eyes and a desire to look. The seeing eye and the hearing ear, the Lord has made even both of them. Those that could hear the instruction of God and God given desires to see, they turned and looked and lived. I've said it so many times. Charles Spurgeon, the great reformer, the man that believed predestination, said that's the verse that really convicted his heart. Whoever looked lived. Now, God so loved the world. And it, world is the word cosmos. It means an orderly arrangement. The fact that it's orderly arrangement means that predestination is true and that election is true. Cosmos means an orderly arrangement, but it is masculine gender. It means there's an orderly arrangement of mankind so that the that these people that were loved, that looked, lived, and then they got whosoever. That's a terrible word. Whosoever is never anywhere in the original text. Whosoever is not a Greek word. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say whosoever believes in him. That sounds like, well, you've got to have will after. Whosoever will may come. May is permission. You can't come until God puts it in your heart because there's none that seeks after God. So you will not will unless he puts the will in your heart. Thy people shall be willing, Psalms 110.3, in the day of thy power. When God puts it into the heart of one of his elect chosen for the foundation of the world, they will believe. But it doesn't say whosoever Here's what it says in the Greek text. That the believing all shall have everlasting life. The is the word whole. It's singular masculine gender. The 
is a definite article. It's an adjective. And they tell which, the, one kind of, how many, and they modify nouns and pronouns. It modifies the noun all, or it alters the word all. There is one particular all, and any time you have an adjective modifying a noun or pronoun, it has to carry always the same gender, masculine, masculine, all is masculine. It's pos. Believing is a participle. It's not so hard to understand. A participle is an adjective. It's a verbal adjective in character. So it also modifies all being an adjective, being a verbal adjective. So it modifies all. It had since it's a modifier of all, it has to carry P I S T E U O N. It has to carry the same gender, masculine. It has to carry the same number, singular. Pistuon, P I S T E U O, is the word believe. I and G, the word endings change depending on the character of the word. So the believing all is one the, one believing, one all. Being singular. All is singular. What would the believing all be? It would the, be the all of mankind, which would be a part of the red, yellow, white, black, and brown man. Red, yellow, white black and brown if you have one out of each the all there's one all it's the sheep it's the flock it's the wife the wife it's the it's anything that applies to the bride it's anything that applies to the church it's the church there's one particular all it's the same thing when Jesus said John in John 6:37 he said all pass that the father giveth me shall come to me there were certain ones given to him before the foundation of the world the ones that God picked out now whether people don't believe this but you can't you can't deny this it's true now, where do I go? I got a, I got a bunch of these pos everywhere. Let's go to the most obvious place it's spoken of in Acts 2. Acts 2. I'm trying to get through this, and it takes a long time to go through it. I'm trying to be detailed in it so you'll be able to Check it out and see if I'm telling the truth. Acts 2, verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. That word all is pos. 
and all of you that are dwelling it. He's talking to the all that believe. He's not just talking to any all. And he says that he's going to, this is that. Look down here in in verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days. This is amazing. People, Pentecostals and Charismatics say, well, the last days was here in the early 1900s when somebody started speaking in tongues. I'm sorry, but the last days were here at Pentecost in Acts 2. Because Peter stands there and says, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel that in the last days this would happen. He said in the last days this is that 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 Joel spoke of that in the last days this would happen when they were speaking in glossa foreign languages and dialectos. I said a while ago, how, how is this pouring out of God's Spirit on all flesh? All these Jews that come to Jerusalem for Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Ingathering are going to go back and preach this message that they heard in their own dialect wherein they were born. That man of Cyrene, the man who carried Jesus' cross when Jesus fell, and he was a Cyrene, C-Y-R-E-N-E, he he went out on the he was here for this feast of Passover and when he when he went back home he would preach this to the Gentiles here it was it wasn't poured out on the Gentiles at Pentecost it was poured out on the Jews at Pentecost that were going to take it to the Gentiles after Pentecost now this is that Let me finish reading that. That in the last days I will pour out of my spirit the truth, the word. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, pos, socks, feminine gender. Feminine because that's the church. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your your young men shall see visions means to have insight. It doesn't mean, I've got a vision. It's not it. The old man shall dream dreams when it was the old man that had visions in the Old Testament and the young man were dreaming dreams of doing something for God. But in the... God is not going to limit it at the end of time. Now, let me give you another. Look at Romans 16. Romans 16 and verse 19 16 and 19 16 and 19 For your obedience is come abroad unto all 
men. He's not talking about every individual. He said the only people that can see your obedience is the all men of the church. Those Gentiles at Rome that were believers. Some guy living down in a brothel in Rome, not going to see their obedience. Only the believers. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. Now, let me see what else I got here. Look at Romans 11. Romans 11. Verse 26. This is some verses we don't get too often. Look at verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. The mystery of God is that the church would be fellow heirs with the Jews. Lest you should be wise in your own conceits that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. And so all Israel shall be saved. Not everybody that calls himself a Jew because the third chapter of this same book says a Jew is not outwardly, but it's of the heart, circumcision of the heart. So all that God has chosen, pas, all, will be saved that he has chosen. Pas, all in the church will be saved. All Israel shall be saved as it is written. Thou shalt come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Jacob meant all the twelve tribes. But he's not talking about literal Israel. He's talking about circumcision of the heart. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sin. All right, let me give you another one of these. I've been wanting to read these to you. Let me give you something that's really interesting in Philippians. In Philippians. And look here. This is something that everybody really messes up. Philippians 2. All right. Look at verse 11. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every glossa. Every, it doesn't mean everybody's appendage that sticks out of their mouth. The word is glossa. means foreign language. Every foreign language shall confess that Jesus Christ, remember, Confess means to be obedient. Every glossa, foreign language, because that's what all the red, yellow, white, black, and brown men, red, yellow, white, black, and brown men, these are people out of every nation and tribe. So every glossa, every foreign language shall confess homo legeo, H-O-M-O-L-O-G-E-O. Homo means of the same, logos. But the Bible says some men 
profess homologeo that they know God Titus 1.16 but in works they deny him they contradict our nail my God A-R-N-E-O-M-A-I Titus 1.16 what they do denies Christ so if every tongue confesses then the tongues that confess are going to be obedient According, according to Titus 1.16. So this is not talking about every appendage in your mouth is going to... Con- if everybody confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father, God is obligated to take them to heaven. But every human being is not going to confess that now. Huh. See if I got something else here. Well, the Bible says in Romans 8.32, in Christ all men shall be made alive. It doesn't mean every every individual. All men goes back to synecdoche. A part is the whole. People say, I just don't like that a part being the whole. Well, it is. A part of the days, I'm going to give you this to you one more time. I haven't said it in a long time till last week. When the Bible says in John 19, in fact, turn over there, John 19. Let me see if I can spell this out for you. Let me, uh, let me read to you something in Luke 22, first of all. Luke 22. Verse 1. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. Feast of unleavened bread. Unleavened bread. Leaven was a type of sin. Bread equals Passover. It was actually the feast of the Passover. There were three things called the Passover. There was the feast. There was the the there was the day. That was Nisan fourteen. Nisan our month March April. There was the feast a seven day feast. And there was the lamb that was called the Passover. That lamb really throws a, throws a monkey wrench, a hitch in the so-called communion. Because what people say that they ate, were eating in these chapters, Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22 and John 13. Every preacher in the world says they were eating crackers and drinking grape juice. And I deny that by the fact that the lamb was called the Passover. You've got the lamb 
at the Passover in Mark 14. Mark 14. Now this is this comes out of the same area and the same section where they're talking about passing around crackers and grape juice. It's ridiculous. Because in Mark 14, at Mark's account of the last Passover, he says in verse 12, the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover. The first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover. His disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou that we should prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? They were talking about eating the Passover lamb. He says the same thing in John when they say, Where wilt thou that we should kill the Passover? He says the same thing in Luke 22. Luke 22. This is two witnesses. You had four items at the Passover. You had a lamb without blemish. Christ is the spiritual Passover lamb in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. And then it says here in Luke 22. Luke 22, verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. They're not going to kill the day and they're not going to kill the feast. They're going to kill the lamb. That was also present when they dipped in the sop. The sop was the bitter herbs, the fourth item of the Passover. They had leavened bread for seven days, and we being many are one bread and one body. We're the bread. The church is the bread, and the body of Christ is the church. If you don't think spiritual, you're never going to understand any of this. You have to think figurative. You have to think think idiomatic language. Idioms. Now, where was I? All right. How much time do I have, Mike? Fifteen. Fifteen. Let me see if I can give you a couple of more of these about all men. First Corinthians fifteen fifty one. I don't know what I'm thinking putting that on here. Fifteen, First Corinthians. Uh, no, I didn't mean to look at this. Well, let me read it anyway. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twink of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal 
must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, this mortal have put on immortality. When we put him on immortality, we'll never die. Then shall be brought to pass the saying is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. When you die, and you've got sin in your life, and you're not a believer, that's the sting. It's the fear as you're going to eternity. Now, let me see if I've got a couple of more of these. Uh, look at Romans eleven thirty-two. Romans 11 11:32 Look at 31 and 32 Even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they may also obtain mercy. But God hath concluded them all, pos, in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. He's not going to have mercy on every individual. He has mercy on all that are in the church. Pos, the same word in John 3, 16. The believing all. That's who his mercy goes to. Now, let's see if i got something else here. All that the Father giveth me. Look at John 12. John 12. I've, been, I've got all these written out on paper, and I've been meaning to read a bunch of them to you. John 12, 15, 32. This is Jesus in your Bible, if you have a red-letter Bible. And it's in red letters. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men, pos, anthropos, red, yellow, white, black, and brown men from every nation under heaven. I'll draw all men unto me. When you look at Revelation 12, uh, Revelation 7, Revelation, the seventh chapter. There are men around the throne of God clothed, this is the all men, clothed in robes of white. Here in Revelation 7, this is the all Revelation 7 and verse 9. After this I beheld, lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all Gentiles, nations it says, of all Gentiles, and kindreds, and people, and glossa tongues, stood before the throne, Remember the throne, anywhere you find it, it's the Ark of the Covenant where Jesus sits 
as the priest forever after the order of Melchizedek in Revelation 4. And before the Lamb, which is Christ, sitting on that throne, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne. The throne is the Ark of the Covenant, which is actually our hearts. This is very figurative language. And about the elders and four beasts, the four beasts, not the beast, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. That's a different word. That's Totherion. This beast here is the four of them on the end of the Ark of the Covenant and woven into the veil, one like a lion, one like a, a, a calf or a bull, an ox, and then one like a man and one like an eagle. These are the four beasts, and the word is zoon, Z-O-O-N. It comes from the word zoo. It means living. They're living beast. It's not the beast of Daniel 7 and Revelation 13. It's a different word. That's the Totherion. That's the difference in their title in the Greek. These are zoon here. Remember the word Z-O-O-P-O-I-E-O to make alive? Zoo, you go to a zoo to see living animals. This word means living beasts. And they represent the four that God formed a covenant with when Noah came out of the ark. He formed a covenant with the beast of the field, the king of the beasts is the lion. He formed a covenant with the lion, the ox. That's, that was on the end of the, in the tabernacle. And I've gone into this in great detail. You had the Ark of the Covenant. You had one of these beasts on each end of the Ark. I don't know whether it was a face of a man and a face of a lion on each one of these or if it had four faces on them. And then they had them woven into this veil. All right. Now, what was I reading? Okay, seven. I got a headache all of a sudden. All right. Before the throne, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. So these all have to be believers if they're standing before the, the Ark of the Covenant, which is our hearts, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, round about the Ark of the Covenant, and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders, there was 24 elders, and you got to keep that in mind, back in Revelation, the fourth chapter. 
there were 24 elders around the throne. There were the 24 sons of Aaron through his two surviving sons, Ithamar and Eleazar. So one of these elders, or one of these high priests, literal high priests of God, that took the crown off his head that said, holiness to the Lord, and cast it at the feet of Jesus, who was the Melchizedek. This was the transfer of the Melchizedek priesthood, or the Aaronic priesthood, over to Melchizedek. So one of these... Uh, what verse was I in? One of these elders and the four beasts on each end of the Ark of the Covenant and in the veil fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing, glory, and wisdom, thanksgiving, and honor, and power might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said, John, this is John speaking. I said unto him, Sir, you're the one that knows that. I don't know. And he said, And whence came they? I said, Sir, you know. And he said unto me, These are they. Who is these talking about? It's talking about people, tongues, kindreds, all those that are arrayed in white robes. These are they which came out of great tribulation. We must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. These are those who went through life through fire and trials and had to go through tribulation to enter the kingdom of God. Philipses. Which is a form of narrow. These are those, what if I said, these are those who came through the narrow way. You can substitute that for tribulation because it is the narrow way. And have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of Christ. And a blood baptism was a death. These are those who have washed in the blood baptism and a blood baptism according to Luke 3. Three and three and three, a blood baptism is the gospel. It's actually John came preaching the baptism of repentance, which was prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Prepare I can't even spell what I'm talking. Prepare you the way of the Lord. And that's called the gospel over Mark 1, 1 through 3. Mark 1, the beginning of the gospel is prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the beginning of the blood baptism, which you find these are these, these out of every nation, men, women, red, white, black, brown, red, yellow, white, black, and brown men. These are the ones out of every nation that have been blood baptized with the gospel. Notice how all these come together. Am I out of time, Mike? Two minutes. Two minutes. I went through a lot of the all men today with you. Um, I've got some more on the all men. What I meant to do, 
which I hadn't had time to today, I meant to go back and resume where I was in Isaiah, the 65th chapter. I'll resume that next week. So you can... Men cannot understand the Bible if they don't have thinking. You have to think. Thinking is difficult. Because repent means to be turned and think differently. If you think, you have to be analyzing. Put, if you notice, I have put these, made their robes white in the blood of Christ. I tied that with the blood baptism, which I tied that to the gospel, which I tied that to the baptism of repentance. Of repentance is genitive case. It means wherever you have repentance, baptism belongs to it. It can't be water. Has to be blood. If there's one baptism, that is our righteousness. That's what clothes us. White robes are always a picture of righteousness. And without the blood baptism, which is the gospel, which is the true baptism, without that, you can't go to heaven when you die. I think about all the people I know in my family. They don't have any idea what a blood baptism is. It makes me sad, but God's going to have his way with them. I don't know where my mother and father went when they died. They said they were Christians, but they hated the message I preached. Well, I'm out of time. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the truth. Letting us see how all this matches up together. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for the tribulation, the trial. It's made me who I am today, Lord. I'm not the man I was when I was 30 and 35. I'm not the man I was at 40 and 45. Thank you for everything you've done to me to get my attention, to cause me to preach these words. I love you, Lord. I look forward to coming and being with you. Fight our battles. If it's according to your mercy, open up this ministry to the world. We'll give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. I don't know how to do this simple. There's so much to it. Call me on. Communion. Call me on. Sometimes I get to spelling fast. Y'all know what I mean. Come on. That's why I spell communion on the board. Come on. So M M I O N. That's funny. You put altar like like going to the altar instead of altar. Oh, did I? Yeah, but I mean, I, I know what you mean. I do, I do those things from time to time. <laughs> All right. Are you leaving? I love you, man. You are my friend. Lifetime.
Well, I mean that about all of y'all. Y'all are all of my friends. Y'all are the only friends I've ever had at Grace and Truth because it's the only mess, only place I've ever really preached the full message for the last going on 32 years. I was very compromising when I was young, traveling as evangelist. I was, I was afraid of the truth. I would teach. I would teach predestination without mentioning the word when I was a young preacher, even though I knew it was true. I was afraid of the preachers. I knew they would kick me out. Sometimes I'd come out of the pulpit and weave a bunch of things together, and my piano player would say, Brian, you sure did sneak in predestination in that message this morning, didn't you? I said, yeah, I did. Yeah. He called me Brown. He never called me Jim. Brown. Hey, Brown. He was tough like young guys are tough. Hey, Jones. Hey, Smith. You know, when you're in elementary school, that's what you do. I was... I believe my old piano player really respected me, but he hated... He felt like I was on a higher level than he was, but he wanted to act like he didn't. He wanted to act tough and be have it together, and he never did have it. He was brilliant, keyboard man, arranger. But he was extremely insecure. Anybody who acts better than everybody else, they're very insecure. And you could actually talk you can talk straight to them and they don't know what to do. Have you known people like that that are uppity and yeah. try to put on the dog? Have you ever gone to a doctor and he's trying to be real smart? Yeah. So. They're not. They know their field and that's all they know. When I ask them, hey, doc, let me ask you a question. Yeah, sure, go ahead. Did you know that it was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America? They'll say, I never heard that before. I said, it was true. Then I give them a bunch of other facts that they don't know that doesn't have anything to do with medicine. And they look at you going, (laughs) they can't join in the conversation. I actually talked to one blood doctor. What do you call them? I can't remember what they call them. And he was just sitting going for 30 minutes looking at me going, that's really interesting. Have you been studying that all your life? I see I have. They just look at me funny. I had a heart surgery back in 2002. And the doctor came in after my surgery after a day or so. And they had to put a needle into my back uh, and drain out some of the fluid around my heart. And while he was doing that, I was telling him about the DNA series that I taught on. And he would say, that's very interesting. That's that's all he would say. (laughs) He's supposed to know all about it. But I was telling him about the spiritual aspect of it. I was going into the double helix and the nucleosomes and the ribosomes.